they say dynamite comes in small packages. So we're kind of a smaller package today, but we can still pack a punch for the kingdom. Amen? Amen. Amen. So we are continuing our series on Advent. And Advent means, a Latin word from Adventus, meaning coming or arrival. So Advent is a historic time since over a thousand years we've been celebrating Advent churches throughout the world, throughout history. It is a time when we reflect on Jesus who came as a baby, right, celebrating his arrival into human history, God becoming a man in the flesh and living among us and loving us, living a sinless life. But it's also an anticipation of his second coming, right? We're, we are looking forward, right? That song that we sang, I, can't, I don't know the title of it, but even, even so, come, Lord Jesus, right? Like a bride waiting for her groom, right? That, that's, that's, that's a song looking forward to the second coming of Jesus, what Advent is, looking forward to that other coming. Now, we sang songs about Jesus in a manger as a baby, but also that song perfectly fit in because looking forward to his return. Because when he comes, he will come in power and in glory. So we are in, there's several themes, hope, peace, joy, and love. We are on the theme of joy. Theme of joy. And when I think of joy, it's not a word we actually use very much in, in the English language anymore, right? Like one of the time you say, I feel so joyful, right? Or I am rejoicing right now. We don't say it very much. So what does it mean? I think it, it just means, I mean, the word that we probably use today, the closest would be happiness. Uh, you're happy, you're enjoying something, you're having fun, there's pleasure, there's satisfaction, all those things. And I think there's many moments of joy, you know. Um, this week, this last week was my anniversary, and it was 18 years, yes, it's been a long time. Because of, however, of, of the death of the emir, we couldn't do very much. I had plans, actual plans to, you know, um, buy flowers and go out to lunch. Well, none of that stuff happened. But she did surprise me, and she made this amazing dinner. We have a small balcony. She took, put the table outside. We had steak, which is my favorite meal, and lots of cheese, and <coughs> excellent food, and... She bought a, like a tiny little log that is like a self-burning log with like a hole in it. Just, it was super cool just to watch a fire. I'm in the middle of Kuwait. It's like warm out, but it was very nice to have a fire. So that to me was like a, a joyful moment, a happy moment that we could enjoy that. It surprised me. It was great. And then we have... You know, when we think of joy, we think of the opposite. You know, opposites kind of help us to understand what is it. So joy's opposite is despair. It's, it's misery. It's pain. It's discomfort. Um, it's sickness. All those things, I would say, are the opposite of joy. Now, I know in some Christian circles, you can have joy in spite of these things. And I think we'll talk about that. But... If you're really unhappy, I, I, it's hard to have a ton of joy in that moment, a ton of happiness when you feel like you're going to die, when you feel super <coughs> sick or super unhappy or, 
or grieving. Um, that is the opposite. And my big idea, well, let's read the passage first, then I'll give you my, my big idea for the sermon. We are in Luke chapter 2. We've read some of this before, but we're going to read it in a, in a smaller context. This is, we're going to start in verse 8. We'll do 8 to 16 and then jump down to 20. It says, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, that's the theme, that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there is with an angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And verse 20, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Amen. God bless the reading of his word. So my big idea is that Jesus' birth is the gift of ultimate joy. Jesus' birth is the gift of ultimate joy. So my first point about this is that this life cannot bring lasting joy, lasting happiness. God did, he created us for joy in creation. When he made us in the beginning in the garden, if you look at Genesis 1, he made us for happiness and for joy. If you look at it, the way our body works, our body is filled with chemicals and hormones that are designed to make us happy. Think of dopamine, opiates, oxytocin. All these chemicals are designed to help us seek things that bring us happiness, right? The human body is an amazing thing designed for us to be happy, to be joyful, to be, have warm, fuzzy feelings. All those things, all those chemicals that we have are designed for that. God made us that way. God made us that way. And he called it very good. Right? He called that very good. The way that we were made, wired for joy, wired for happiness. And he gave Adam and Eve, he gave them a garden to farm and to till. And it was already created for them. They, God gave them to each other as man and wife to help one another. And they also walked with God in the cool of the day. Right? Imagine what it would be like we, we live as believers by faith. And God is just as real as he was in, in the garden. But can you imagine, which we'll, I guess we'll all experience if you are a believer when we're in heaven, but 
Adam got the opportunity to walk with God as a man walks with a friend, right? Seeing him in his glory. So that is the ultimate that they got to enjoy this garden, each other, walking with God. However, it doesn't get very long into the story before sin breaks in. They believed a lie, a terrible lie about God's goodness and his justice and his kindness. And they ate the forbidden fruit because they wanted to be like God. They wanted to do life their own way with, without God's rules and God's parameters, which the parameters were pretty wide at that time, right? You can do anything you want, just don't eat this tree. And that's the one thing they were tempted and gave into. So God, <clears throat> excuse me, God immediately stopped walking with Adam and Eve. And then he cursed everything. He cursed the ground. So that when we produce food or we do our jobs, it produces difficulty and misery. It says it will be thorns that come out of the ground. And that extends to our life today. You know, we're not, most of us are not farmers here. But all the frustration you feel with work, work is satisfying, right, in some way. But it's also filled with difficulty and frustration and misery and not being valued, right? All these things that we, we feel these mixed emotions towards work. That is part of God's curse because of our sin. Also pain in giving birth to children. I think that includes not just the physical aspect, but the, the fear of miscarriages and stillborns and um, birth defects. All that, infertility, all that is wrapped up in God's cursing the woman in, in giving birth. All that pain, even though children are a blessing, there's all that difficulty that comes with it. And then enmity with one another. They fought. Right? God said, I will curse your relationship with each other. It says the man will rule over you, but you will be you will you will your desire will be for him, which means against him. Your desire will be to rule over each other, the man and the woman. Which we see. That's why there's conflict in marriage. Marriage is not always a joyful experience. Right? Amen? Obviously, that's how we created it. It would be just, a, just this wonderful thing. You get to enjoy each other forever. But it's also filled with difficulty because there's a war going on now between the man and the woman who is in control and has power. It, so, God, relation with God, destroyed. Relation with one another, badly damaged and with the ground almost destroyed, right? All that beauty that they had is gone. And this is why earth joy cannot satisfy. Because God put in these things as a result of our sin, of what we've done wrong, by disobeying God, by rebelling against the Lord. This, your life is going to be so difficult from now on. And it is difficult, right? If we are honest with ourselves, even those who have not experienced a lot of difficulty in life, it will, it will come. Right? We've all suffered. We've all experienced grief and pain and heartache and difficulty. So we know it can't satisfy. And even in that time, right, these, these shepherds, they were not happy either, right? That's why saying there's a Savior coming, right? Because people were not happy. Right? These shepherds were not just like 
smiling with smiling and walking in the middle of the night trying to keep their sheep from falling off a cliff right it's a difficult dirty job i mentioned that last week right they're looking for a savior and there's actually a lot of evidence that in that first century before jesus came there was a looking for a messiah because they were conquered by the babylonians and the persians and now the roman empire they're just this tiny little estate subject to taxes and difficulty on top of the normal difficulty and you know yeah they're they're barely surviving these people right and these shepherds these are insignificant people of all the jobs shepherd was not like the top 10 right they were marginalized they were lonely they were nomadic right their friends were the sheep not a great relational experience and the people then they like everyone today they pursued the same things right they pursued all that this world could give them they pursued food they pursued money they pursued power they pursued sex they preferred comfort they preferred they preferred leisure they wanted they sought and looked after all these things and that's why you can't find joy in this life either and to us today we're not shepherds but we can have the same wrong tendencies because the joys in life can become our prisons if you look in this world for the things that can bring you joy they will become your prison right and you will be trapped by them if you if you love food you will be a slave to gluttony if you love to work you will be enslaved by greed if you are seeking joy in relationships there's abuse there's codependency if you are looking for joy in sex there's addiction there's adultery there's pornography if you're looking at alcohol there's all kinds of dysfunction right the joys that people seek in this world only turn to addiction and to pain to yourself and to others right that's the brokenness of this world all those things we seek they will not bring what you're looking for jesus himself says this right he doesn't use the word of addiction but he uses the word of slavery right and he says everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin so jesus was was ahead of his time right he knew the addictive nature of of sin and addictions that we that we want so it's not a lack of education those we tend to think those people were poor and stupid we are so much more sophisticated now no it's the same right now we just the only thing that's different is we have a little more money and a little longer lifespan to be enslaved to those things right to be addicted to those things and we can see the destruction over a longer period of time it's, been, it's the same thing since the beginning. It's, since, since God cursed the world, people have sought all their happiness outside of God. And the problem is not those things. The problem is us. The problem is, is you and me. God made perfection, but we are broken. I am broken. You are broken people. 
And because of that brokenness we experience, that's why we seek all these addictive behaviors and not knowing them for what they are. Right? That's why there's murder in the world. That's why there's suffering in the world. That's why evil is portrayed as good and good is portrayed as evil. If you look at the news, you see that. I see it very clearly. That's why we see so much damage from addiction, from abuse. Right? I'm from the United States, and one of the big things I had to memorize in eighth grade was the United States Declaration of Independence. And what it says in there, when they were declaring their independence from, from the UK, one of the things that God gave them unalienated rights, and these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Happiness is not in there, right? Because they prophetically, or they knew from experience, that you can pursue happiness, you should have the freedom to do that, but you, you are unlikely to find it. Because all the things that we pursue for happiness enslave us, destroy us, hurt us, hurt others. Right? So it's, you're not getting it, they just have the right to pursue it. So you can have all the money, all the power, all the sex, all the family, all the freedom, all the comfort you want. Now all these things are, 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 are bad, but even things like family and comfort, they cannot bring you lasting joy. They cannot do it. They're not able, they're not designed to, to do it. So this world cannot bring lasting joy. So where, where does that leave us? is that Jesus, he's the only one that can bring lasting joy and happiness into our lives. The angel says this, right? He says, I bring good news of great joy. Right? Not just for the shepherds, for all the people. This is exciting news. It's all the people. So what is this thing that's different? It's Jesus. Jesus is different. They, and remember, I told you, these people were waiting for a Messiah. And actually, for 300 years from the last prophet in the Old Testament, they were waiting. God seemed silent. So these, these Jewish shepherds, the Magi, the people, were looking for someone to save them because they knew from God's, from God's law, from the Old Testament, that the same thing that I said, this world cannot bring lasting joy. They're looking for the Messiah, for the Savior, for the Christ, which means kings. Messiah means the anointed one. So for hundreds of years, and then they tell them, here's how you find Jesus, right? Here's your sign, right? He's wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger, right? A dirty, animal poop-filled manger, Right? You think the Savior of the world would be on a throne coming down from heaven, but that's why it's a sign. Like, here's something unique about Jesus. Here's how you find him. Not super hard, because most babies are not born in mangers. And then it's verified, right? So you think one angel may be a hallucination, but then a multitude, thousands of angels, the curtains pulled back from this material reality to the spiritual reality. And they're all praising God. Right? Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. 
So they see this incredible sight of, of thousands of angels. And of course, they were dumbfounded. But it also shows us that there is a spiritual reality in Jesus, right? When that, the heavens were pulled back, it shows that there's more than just the material in this life, right? There's a spiritual reality, a spiritual world that if we are not careful, we can totally miss, right? In, a, in our modern society, which is materialism, basically that it's a whole philosophy that we've mostly bought into that this world, the things that we can see and touch and feel, is the only world. But God is saying that is completely false. Right? They see a spiritual realm. And they return back filled with joy. Right? They go see the baby. Don't know what they say. But they says they returned filled with joy. They were worshiping the Lord. So, sin ruined everything. But Jesus brings a savior. Not more rules, not more laws, not more prophets. Because that stuff doesn't work. None of that works. Right? That's, you know, many religions, including the religion here, they say Jesus is another prophet to show the people the way. People don't need another way. They don't need more rules. They don't need more laws. Because we, the problem is us. Right? We can't keep them. Right? I don't need another person to tell me the rules because I know the rules and I still break them. Amen? Maybe I'm the only one, but I think we're all like this. Right? I know the rules. I know even the rules of my heart. Right? What I should be doing, I don't do them because I'm broken. But we need a Savior, someone who saves us. And what does He save us from? From punishment, from ourselves. Because God, because we all sin and fall short of the glory of God, we all deserve to be thrown into hell. Because sin is treason against God. I mean, imagine the one sin that Adam and Eve created, and it destroyed generations, right? For thousands of years until today, the whole world has been broken because of one sin, right? How many sins do we commit on a daily basis? And from ourselves, because we're so broken, we pursue these things that don't bring us happiness, and we're enslaved by them. So what Jesus does is he starts to reverse the curse of sin. That is what he came for. He's going to save them from the curse of sin and death. He starts to reverse this and the lie that God is not good, that God is not kind, that they believe, that God's holding out on you. Right? That was the lie that the serpent told Eve, right? God is holding out on you. And what happened is that God came in human flesh, right? God himself became a baby. He lived a human life, just like us. He entered into our brokenness, not far away from our brokenness. He saw it all around him. He interacted with people, with disciples that were broken, and crowds that were broken, and people that were broken, you have all this brokenness that he saw. And he loved and he healed. And he blessed people and he prayed for people because he knew that's what we needed. And he never sinned. Through all that brokenness, I would be angry. 
right? I'd be upset that people are pursuing things that are, are not good for them, that people were attacking him, but he never sinned. He kept the law of God perfectly. He also became a substitute. So Jesus was born to die. He was not just born to bring some sprinkling of healing on first century Palestine. No, he was born to bring salvation. That salvation had to come through a sacrifice. Because of our sin, we deserve punishment. But Jesus said, I will take the punishment of Chris, of George. I will take your punishment, and I will absorb it on myself. So as he hung on the cross, which he, he said, he told uh, people that were attacking him, if this were my kingdom, I could bring down the legion of the angels in an instant and wipe you all out. Gone. But no, I have to fulfill this. So he became on the cross a substitute. So he looked, God looked at Jesus and put all the sin of myself, if you, anyone who believes in Jesus, on him and punished. So all of our sin compressed onto Jesus in that experience of hell was compressed in the six hours that he experienced. So real pain, real punishment, real suffering Jesus experienced. You know, sometimes we think of Jesus as Superman and he's not really feeling it. No, he felt it. Right? There's no S behind his chest. He was dying physically and spiritually being separated from the Father. There's this real, this, this real pain is happening because of me, because of you. But death could not keep Jesus. He died. He, he took the punishment, but three days later, this is the miracle, Jesus rose from death. He came back. The sacrifice was accepted. That's how you know it wasn't just a person at the wrong place at the wrong time. Right? He is alive today. The sacrifice accepted. Believers, if you're a believer in Jesus, you are no longer under the curse of sin. Now, we still may experience some of the effects of it. But the punishment for sin is gone. Right? And that's our, our greatest misery, our greatest fear, which is the op misery is the opposite of joy, is that we're all going to die. Right? Not, a, not an exciting reality that we're all to go. We all have to do this. Some sooner, some later. We all have to go to this place where our lives end. And it's super sad and it's super lonely. That's our misery and our fear. And what happens after death? Is there punishment? Have I been good enough? Jesus wipes all that away because we are seen as perfect. We are seen as the Father sees Jesus. Like Jesus took our suffering and now Jesus looks at me and says, I see the perfect life of Jesus because he was a substitute for me. So when he looks at me, he sees Jesus. So we're seen as perfect. right? That, so the, all that misery from our future demise is turned into joy. Because just as Jesus rose from death, shows that we will also rise from death. That's the exciting part. We, we get to live again. This life is not all there is. Right? That's why we people seek these things. 
because oh, this life is all there is. I'll fill my beard with as many chemicals as I can to be happy and then go back to the ground. No. Jesus is alive. He rose again and then we will rise again to be with him and have eternal joy. Right? My sins are forgiven. That should be our, our joy. Your sins are forgiven. Not just the past sins, but your present and your future sins are forgiven. So you can live totally free on this earth. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying free to sin as much as you can, but we know that sin enslaves us. So we can actually break free from that and know that even if we do sin, we are forgiven. Right? It says in Matthew's Gospel, it says, You will call him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins, from their mistakes, from their evil, from their rebellion against God. So we get to be with him forever when he comes back. Which is, there's many things in my life that I've not been able to do, that I wanted to do, to pursue, to enjoy, that I will not be able to in this life, because life is short. Life is busy. Right? For you too, there's probably things you wanted to pursue, but you just it didn't happen. Some dream that's been broken. That will all be restored and redeemed in heaven. Now, sometimes in this life as well. But all the things I've wanted to pursue. I'm a, I'm a pretty good musician. And that's not something in this life where right now I'm called to. Maybe I'll go back to it. But I know that in heaven, I will get to do that and pursue that and grow in that. Heaven's a place where all the brokenness and the dream, broken dreams are restored and they're healed. And we need to be with him. So if you are not a believer, I know most of you in this room, but I don't know your hearts. Okay? So there be, there's, I've heard of pastors becoming Christians who are not Christians. If you are not 100% sure, please give your life to Jesus because he's the only one that will save you from your sins, as Matthew says. He is the only one that will bring you joy for all the people. If you are a believer, remind yourself that this world is not all there is. Materialism is a lie. It is false. Christmas is not about the stuff that you get for your family. It's about Jesus and the greatest gift. Reflect and meditate on this time. We only have a few days left till Christmas. Okay? Spend some time reflecting, praying, seeking Jesus. Now, you can do that any time, but I think Christmas is a special time to do that. If you have not done so, like I've used, I, I have the Bible app. The Bible app is going through Advent. It has great devotions on this season, on Jesus. There's many studies about Advent you can do. Consider doing that. And before, before Christmas comes, you've got a few days left. There is... And life is busy, but makes a priority. You don't want to be enslaved by good things versus the best things, right? There's many good things to pursue in this life, but those things can be a tyranny to the best things. I think the best thing for all of us, myself including, I'm preaching to myself, is to seek Jesus during this time, for the next couple days. Amen? So carve time out, morning or evening, devotionals, gospel, prayer. So Jesus brings true joy. And my third point, 
is that we can have joy in this life and the next. We can have joy in this life and the next. So Jesus brought true joy and, and, and lasting joy in salvation. In addition, he no longer he breaks the slavery that we have to sin. Because Jesus' salvation is not just for then, but it's also for now. He breaks addiction. He breaks our he heals brokenness. Right? He gives us the power to say no to sin. Right? Like I said, it's not just about rules you need to follow. It's about seeking Jesus for power to overcome sin and temptation in your life. We all have those things. Whatever that thing you're thinking of, right? That temptation, that's, that pattern, that's what I'm talking about right now. But i got things in my head I'm thinking about. I'm sure you do too. But Jesus gives us the power to say no. So he, he frees us from this false worship and worshiping the things, the joys of this wor world that are not meant to be worshipped. Some things are meant to be enjoyed, but not worshipped. Right? We only worship God. We only worship Jesus as our Savior. He's the only one right, who fits that, that God-shaped hole in our hearts. So we can worship Jesus as our Savior and our Lord and sing to Him and pray to Him and love Him and enjoy Him. But we can, and we can also enjoy the pleasures that He's given us in their proper place. Right? Like I said, our bodies are made to receive pleasure and joy, but not those things are not meant to be worshipped. Because it's not how God designed us. So food and work and relationships, and experiences, and, and sex, and travel, and fun, and comfort, all have a place in the proper context. They all have a place if they're not worshipped. And he, God brings us many good, legitimate things in our lives to enjoy. Amen? But if you put them in the right place, they, they, you can enjoy them, but still only worship Jesus. So put Christ first. And then put everything else in its true place. Right? Our greatest joy is a relationship with God. We now, by faith, get to walk with God again. Because that relationship is, is healed. Right? So in the beginning, you, God walked with Adam, and that was broken, and now it's restored. If you are a believer, you get to walk with God. When you pray, He listens. When you talk to Him, He's understanding. God will speak to you. It's not just a one-way relationship. He does speak to us, but you have to be ready. You have to listen. And the spiritual joys, like prayer, reading the Bible, singing. I, one of my favorite parts about church is the worship, is the singing to Jesus. I know I'm the pastor preaching the sermon. But that's one of my favorite things personally that I enjoy, is hearing and singing truths to God. So, as we get ready to conclude... We as believers should be the most joyful, the happiest people. Right? Sometimes Christians aren't fun. We should be fun. We should be happy people. If we're showing the gospel with our lives, we should be the happiest people on the earth. If we are miserable, unhappy people, people are going to say, I'm not interested in that. Right? Right? You know, it says in 1 Peter, it says to to be ready for a reason for the hope that is in you. Right? So that happiness and that hope that we have as believers, it should go come out. 
right? We should be compelling. We should be people saying, I want, I want what he has. I want that life. Most, many Christians are, are not very happy people. And there's lots of legitimate things. Let me be clear, legitimate. Not all things in this life. Some things are redeemable. Some things are accepted. Some things are to be rejected. There are some things in life that we must reject because they're wrong. But there's many legitimate things to enjoy in this life. Jesus had mirth, right? He had happiness. He had a big mission in front of him. So yes, he was he was consumed with that. But you don't think twelve guys in Jesus hanging out in the woods for three years, there was no jokes being told, no laughing, no Peter saying, pull my finger, right? Of course there was some happiness, there was some joy. He traveled his best friends. I would love to be with my best friends walking around in the woods. That sounds amazing. Right? He turned water into wine. He went to parties. Now, he never sinned. Let's be clear. He knew, like, this is fun, and he knew where the line was because he is God. And that's why, like, if you've never seen the show The, the Chosen, it shows a, actually a happy Jesus, right? Not a miserable Jesus, like so many of the of the TV shows portray him as, like this British, long-flowing hair, no-emotion, Vulcan kind of person. No, Jesus is happy, right? So as believers, we should enjoy life. We should enjoy legitimate pleasures. We need to slow down and think about the spiritual joys. Right? Less, less of a, an agenda with all of life. Enjoy Jesus. Spend time with Him. Try to be distracted. Be mindful and create joyful experiences. Right? I think that's one of the ways we can apply this. Are we, how are we creating enjoyable experiences for our families, for our friends? Because without Jesus, He brought us the greatest joy. So we should replicate that. We should imitate him by creating joy. I was at a great party last week. We played lots of games, ate lots of good food, had tons of fun, laughed, had some worship of God. It was like the perfect party. That's how, you know, We should be trying to create those with our friends and our family. So in conclusion, the band can come up. The angels declared the birth of Jesus to be the greatest joy for all people. This is because without Jesus, there cannot be joy. Right? Our relationship with God, with others, with people are broken. And the things that we chase enslave us. Jesus came, however, to reverse the curse of sin. He lived without sin. He was punished for my disobedience. And the inevitability of a life without God in hell... He reversed that for those who believe. Resurrection means we get to spend eternity with him, pursuing all the dreams we couldn't in this life. Therefore, we can enjoy this life and the next life. Pleasure can be in its proper place instead of being worshipped. In difficult times, even difficult times, even if you're not going through a great time, you can have joy in that you are looking ahead for your greatest time. Amen? To be clear, not everyone's feeling great right now. Christmas can be a, a, a difficult season. Maybe you're not feeling joy. Maybe you're feeling fear or unhappiness. You can still hope and look ahead because God has good times in store for you. Amen? So let's stand up on our feet.
Don't be afraid of difficulty because God's going to see you through to the other side, ladies and gentlemen. Now, maybe you'll be crying to me, Jesus. Maybe God will give give you redemption in this life. But either way, we're going to be with him forever. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for the joy that you've instilled in us. Thank you for the gospel. I pray that you would help us to make it fresh, the good news of great joy for us. You make it fresh in our hearts. It can be easy to have it in our minds, but not in our hearts and in our souls and our emotions. So I pray as we sing, as we gear up towards Christmas, you'd help us to find ways to make it fresh, make it exciting, make it joyful. We love you, Jesus. We ask for this in your great name. Amen. Amen. Let's sing one more.